Welcome to Coaching the Coach. I'm your host, Pete Townley, for the Upstate Performance Project. Hey, good morning. It's actually the evening. Never mind. Good evening, everybody. It's dark out, so it's hard for me to tell what it is, and I've been driving for a while. So, uh, I am on the road, as you can tell, and I am doing another mobile episode. As you guys know, every four to five weeks, I travel and um, see my kids and hang out with them as much as I can. And, uh, you know, when they're not with me in Carolina, I try to get back to Kansas as much as I can to be in their lives. Anyhow, uh, while I've got this time to kill driving, I like to record podcasts. Um, It's a good way for me to pass the time, but um, it's a, it's time where would be wasted otherwise, right? Why not? Why not make uh, something productive out of this? So, I know the background noise is not ideal. So, if you do not like the background noise, I will not be offended if you just skip over this one and not, choose not to listen to it. Okay, I'm gonna take a sip of my coffee because really, it wouldn't be a coaching the coach um, podcast if I did not have my coffee. I can't tell you what I'm drinking because I don't know. It's from a gas station along the way. Um, I picked it up. Oh, I'm in Tennessee, somewhere in Tennessee. Uh, anyhow, I, I uh, want to talk today. Um, I mentioned earlier, if you, if you saw my story or the Upstate Performance Project's story, uh, on Instagram, I posted a you know a, a question. I said just said, hey, let me know if there's anything you guys want to hear about while I'm doing these mobile episodes. So that was really only a few hours ago, but is is or as we get, um, you know, I think the stories are up what 24 hours? Is that right? Um, I might get a few more questions in, but I got a few right off the bat. And again, I'm I'm ready to to record one of these, so I'm going to take what I have so far and answer the questions. Basically, it boiled down to two, two categories, nutrition and social media. Uh, more specifically, you know, who do I follow? Who do I look up to and look at for advice when it comes to social media? Um, and I'll, that answer may surprise you, um, and I'm going to talk about that last. I do want to jump into um, uh, nutrition first. Uh, now, right off the bat, some of the questions I got were specifically about like keto diets or paleo diets, and I've talked about some of those before on the podcast. But uh, I'm going to put it together all in one big chunk here. Um, they just want to know my thoughts: is it good? Is it bad? You know, and it, and it kind of depends, just like everything, unfortunately. Um, but uh, one of our members, one of our in-house members, um, Ashley Cookie, as she is known. Uh, threw out a question almost immediately after I posted this um, about nutrition and and specifically she wanted to know about um, sports performance, muscle gaining, and fat loss, which is pretty much the trifecta uh, of of, um, nutrition questions. How can I get better at sports, put on some muscle, and lose body fat all at the same time? Well, if that's not the hardest thing to do, nutritionally speaking, then I don't know what is. I say hard. It's discipline, really, and consistency. Other than that, 
the nuts and bolts of it aren't that bad. But what I thought I would do is I thought I would take this, um, these several different questions all about nutrition in one sort of way, and rather than answer each one specifically, I thought I would kind of paint a picture of how uh, the coaches at Upstate Performance Project approach putting together a meal plan for their clients. Now, um, it, it, we will touch on keto and paleo and, and, and my thoughts on those, um, and, and I'm definitely going to pose that in the frame of mind of looking to increase sports performance, muscle gain, fat loss, all of that kind of stuff. So hopefully everything will be answered, um, but rather than just say, here's your answer, here's your answer, here's your answer, I'm just going to kind of talk about how we approach or what our approach is. So here we go. Got to follow the street signs here. I make sure I make the right turns. All right, so um, first things first, all of the coaches at Upstate Performance Project, or I should say none of the coaches at Upstate Performance Project are nutritionists. Okay, we don't have, um, our, we're not registered dietitians, we are not um, experts in the field of nutrition, and by that I mean we don't give people meal plans. Um, we can give people sample meal plans, and I, I, I'll put one little caveat. I personally am um, certified in sports nutrition. Um, I can uh, write out a meal plan for somebody for their sports performance. Um, but again, I always preface it with, you need to check with your physician um, or another registered dietitian. Um, so what we do, and, and I've said this before on the podcast, we'll have an RD kind of check mark what we do. So if we write out a meal plan for a client, and if you've received a meal plan from us, uh, we have had, it, had a registered dietitian looking at that, look at that, knowing your medical history, uh, as well, because again, that's that's where we don't want to get into any food allergies or medications. That's not our bag. Um, so we give some general advice, uh, but if we do get specific, we have our an RD we work with that will help us. That being said, if you're listening to this and want to try some of the advice I give, always check with your physician or registered dietitian to make sure it is safe for you. So. The first thing that we look at, or the first thing that I should address with regard to actual meal plans and nutrition is you have to look at nutrition the same way you look at, per, at personal training or, or, or fitness, like fitness plan, that is. Now, man, I really wish I knew what brand. I, I've got a generic cup I'm drinking here, coffee. I, it's really good. Some random... Uh, uh, gas station uh, great coffee anyhow what you have to know about that nutrition is that it's just like any fitness program now you've heard me say a lot on the podcast that in order for a fitness plan to be successful long term to make a long term lifestyle change there are nine principles that have to be accounted for if not all nine are accounted for, what you're doing will could work for a very long time, but it will have a shelf life. It will run out. You will plateau. You will have to change things up. Okay? So, 
Are there quick fixes? Are there quicker fixes than some things that we do? Yes. But as you know, and I won't get into all of this for this podcast, but you know, we want to educate our clients because we don't want them to uh, lose 30 pounds as quickly as possible without learning how to maintain that and keep it off. Because as I've said many times, when people come in for our consultation and they tell us about their past history of diet and, and exercise, it's always, well, I did this program and it worked. I lost the 30 pounds. It, it, it really worked. But I gained it all back. Well, as you've heard me say before, then it didn't work, right? It may have worked for the short term, and it may have it may have worked in the sense that it did what it promised it would do, take weight off quickly. Okay. But is that really what you need? Is that really what you want? To drop weight quickly but not really understand how to keep it off um, and or how to, you know, eat properly and do this for yourself when you're not following that plan because that plan may not be sustainable for for the lifespan and that is really what we are all about so remember that as i'm talking when i'm giving advice for 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 us and what we do it's always with that in mind now that doesn't mean that i won't utilize some of these specialized meal plans uh in certain scenarios but I do them or I'll recommend them to clients or to, to members at our gym with that caveat that you're going to have to learn how to come out of this and reintroduce a, quote, more normal eating pattern or more balanced eating pattern. Now, just as I said, they have to have all the principles. You know, a diet has to have a lot of things in play uh, for it to be effective long term. And that is this a well-balanced mix of the macro and micronutrients, water, um, all of that, and then caloric um, intake, whether it be a deficit, maintenance, or surplus, uh, whatever, you're, and that's dependent on your goal, of course. But the idea is, if I have a meal plan that restricts one macronutrient greatly, already I'm out of balance, and it's probably not going to work for the long haul. It could work for a year. It could work for two, three, four years. But at some point, it will stop working. Or at least working in the true sense that it was intended for. Okay? Now, that being said, there are some people out there that can do some of these extreme restrictive diets or, or restricting one whole you know, macronutrient and still have success for, for a very, very long time. Just like we said with personal training. Everyone is different. That's why we call it personal. What works for you may not work for me, and vice versa. And that is something that sticks very well with nutrition as well. And, and the thing is, people, for whatever reason, not so much with exercise, um, although there are some exercise protocols out there that people get pretty obsessed with, I won't, I won't mention any names, um, but people get really defensive about their diets and what's worked for them. I mean, I can't tell you how many social settings um, I've been in in my life where if someone's doing some, and I'll use the word fad diet, we'll just say popular diet, um, fad has a pretty negative connotation and I don't think they're all negative. Um, so we'll call them popular for the time diet, uh, and they are having great success with it. And so to 
to um, say otherwise is blasphemy to them. Well, no, it worked for me. I've lost 30 pounds. I've, lost, I've done this. My energy's up. All that. And, and that may be. It may very well be. And that's great. I'm, I'm truly and honestly happy for you. But as an exercise physiologist, I'll tell you that that's not going to ha- that same meal plan and style won't work for everybody. And unless it's well balanced, it won't work forever. It may work for a very long time, and that's good. And some people can tolerate cutting out one macronutrient, going low carb for the rest of their lives. Okay, that's good. But that's the type of person that depends again on what their goals are and what they're after. And that's a-okay. So if someone wants to go cut carbs completely out, let's say let's say try a keto diet, which is a high-fat, uh, low-carb diet, protein kind of moderate intake, 20%-ish, to 75% fat, 5% carb, somewhere in that range. You know, when you, when you do that, depending on what your goal is, athletically or physically, you could maintain that for a very long time and lose weight and then keep it off. But the minute your physical needs change, you, it may not at that point continue to serve you well. So all of these things have to be taken into consideration. So what I'm getting at is there's not one, this is the best meal plan for sports performance, this is the best meal plan for weight loss, and this is the best plan for just being healthy or muscle gain or whatever. There's not one plan that's out there other than a good, well-balanced, calorically uh, appropriate meal plan. And notice I'm saying meal plan and not diet. Um, They're interchangeable, really. Uh, I'm not going to be nitpicky. I'm used to saying meal plan because, you know, everyone has a diet. Diet is just referring to what you eat. So everyone is on a diet, everyone has a diet, but meal plan is, you know, the, how they're eating, right? Okay, so that's my soapbox nerdy moment for the day. So my old boss, who is a registered dietitian, Brenda Fitzemeyer, she would smack my wrist every time I would say diet. Not literally, of course, but um, she pounded into me that it's a meal plan, it's not a diet. And, I, and she's right. She's 100% right. Uh, so I, uh, I definitely trying to honor her uh, request. So with that in mind, it's different for everybody. Everyone's going to have different varying degrees of success. Um, we have to look at what is your goal and what's the best uh, plan for your goal. So let me give you a quick example, and I, I, I may have said this before, um, as as I as I know I've said before, if if you if I've said this on the the podcast, um, just think of it as as um, my greatest hits, right? My, the, I'm, I'm the Rolling Stones playing, you know, Satisfaction. It's it's the greatest hits. And uh, comedian I listen to on a podcast, he says that all the time. He can't remember what he said. He's done over a thousand podcasts. He can't remember what he said where. So if I'm repeating this, it's just me doing my greatest hit. So I'm stealing that from him. If you've heard me tell this story, this is a greatest hit story. Um, So when I was at Leavenworth High School, there was a coach, uh, an assistant coach uh, for the soccer team. And he, over the summer, 
uh, did the Atkins diet. Now we're going back to 2001, and he did the Atkins diet, height of the popularity. He had great success. He wanted to tell his um, soccer girls, "Hey, if you want to get faster, if you lose a little bit of weight, you'll, you know, you might be even be faster." Now, a lot of things wrong here. He probably shouldn't ever tell a high school female. Uh, you know, you should lose weight, or if you want to lose weight, or really shouldn't be bringing it up unless it's a health problem, a health problem, not a performance problem, health problem, right? So, uh, and especially when you're not qualified and maybe don't fully understand everything. But his heart was in the right place. He lost some weight. He was feeling good. He was moving better on the Atkins diet. And he wanted the athletes to do it. Well, if you're familiar or not familiar, it's, it's a low-carb diet. And these athletes, uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, endurance athletes, I mean, they're, they have a lot of anaerobic and aerobic um, tendencies in that sport. So they need carbohydrate. There's just no doubt. So for a soccer player, cutting out carbs or going low-carb, probably not a great idea. For sports performance. So, I won't get go into, you know, everything, but suffice to say we had a lot of overuse injuries, we had a lot of fatigue, we had a lot of people not performing the best, and, you know, it took coach, the head coach and I uh, to put our heads together to kind of crack the code on this one, and then we, we overheard one of the girls talking about, you know, oh, coach so-and-so said this, and I'm like, oh, there's the problem. But that being said... There's a clear example of how uh, a person used Atkins or a low-carb diet for a lifestyle change, and it worked, and it worked for him, for his level of, of activity. Now, he was active, and he was, you know, moving around. He coached and refereed soccer, so he was running around, but he put on 50, 60 pounds over his, you know, life, and he was in his 50s at the time, and he took it off. So, obviously, good for him, right? That we, we applaud that. Um, but it doesn't fit well to athletics, that style of diet. And so, depending on what your goals are, it can change. So, when we do our consultation, we listen for two things. What you've done in the past um, and had success or, or failures with, um, and we also we also listen to what your lifestyle is like. You know, what you have three kids and they're all in, you know, high school, middle school, elementary school. So you're driving them all over the place to have music lessons, to have sports practices. You're all over the place, right? You're um, in charge of cooking the meals too at, at night, and you know, it, it's. That's your lifestyle. Okay, fine. We need this information so we can get the best plan. So if if that's your lifestyle and you came to me and said, I've heard a lot about this intermittent fasting, should I try it? Now, intermittent fasting isn't necessarily a meal plan. It's more of a meal structure. Um, but it fits in this conversation today. Uh, you know, we, we would want to probably not have you do uh, that because it's going to be really hard to do a, you know, say a traditional 16-8 intermittent fast where you're fasting for 16 hours and trying to eat your meals in eight hours a day because you're you're driving all over the place, Me meaning you'd have an eight-hour window to try to get all of your calories in 
and that may not fit your lifestyle. Now, I'm going to come back to some of these specific diets, intermittent fasting, which is a you know, structure, and other meal plans like keto and paleo and all these other things, and discuss them a little bit more in depth uh, in just a minute. But I'm just trying to paint the picture that it definitely depends on your lifestyle, depends on your fitness goals, what you're after, um, and uh, really, you know, your individual uh, body, which again, we don't know. And some things might work on paper, even with your lifestyle and fitness goals, but may not end up working for you because of the way your body, you know, metabolizes things because everyone is different. So it's trial and error, which is why working with a trainer or a nutritionist or someone, I is strongly recommend it to kind of dial this in if you have very specific needs. So let's, let's paint a picture here. So someone comes into our gym. And I'm going to use, um, before I get into specific goals, I'll kind of go over the process when it comes to nutrition. So we do a consultation and we will talk about nutrition and I'll, I'll ask the questions, you know, do you skip meals? How often do you eat? Do you eat snacks? Um, what kinds of foods are you eating? All of these kind of things. You know, when do you eat? Uh, we need to know that, but we also need to know what you're eating. So they, we have our clients fill out a food log, food diary. So if you're filling out a diary and, and you have, um, oh, let's say, uh, you know, Twinkies and Ho-Hos all day long, then obviously we can make some changes. Even if the calories are right, <laughs> um, or the number of, right number of calories, obviously the nutrient value is not going to be very good. So we would uh, make changes based on that. So when we get a food diary, when we know your eating habits, then we can start to paint a picture uh, of what meal structure would be best for you and what kind of caloric needs and macronutrient needs you're gonna need. So getting more specific to say um, Ashley's question about sports performance, muscle gain, and fat loss. Can you do all three at once? Absolutely can. And, and I hope she doesn't mind. Uh, I'm gonna use her as an example because uh, I wrote her program, so um, or her current phase. Uh, Chelsea and I have kind of both helped write programs for her. Um, and uh, But the, the one she just started, uh, I think last week or the week before, is, is one that I wrote. So I'm very familiar um, with what she is doing and what her goal is, you know, sport performance-wise. So uh, when, when we look at the caloric needs, going back to what I said about the diet, pardon me, meal plan, right? Brenda's slapping me on the wrist. Uh, the meal plan needs to be well balanced. And by that I mean the macro and micronutrients need to be balanced, plenty of water, um, and we're going to adjust the macros based on the fitness needs, based on the performance needs. So we're just going to say a generic athlete here, training for athletic performance. And I can say in this case with Ashley, it's a generic athletic competition. In fact, it's our total athlete challenge that she's training for. So we're setting up um, you know, the workouts based on that. So her, her workouts um, you know, are, are in a manner at which 
they are trying to increase sports performances in uh, squatting strength, uh, jumping power, sprinting power, um, and, and uh, agility. So all of these parameters are things that we're trying to address in our program and therefore are you know, general uh, athletic needs. She is not currently training to be a better lacrosse player, which is her sport in college, or a basketball player or anything, where it's just kind of general sports performance. So that makes it a little easier, right, um, to, to program for. Nutritionally speaking, again, because this is somewhat broad, um, her goal and her, her um, uh, needs, what we would recommend for someone like that is a very uh, carb-high, a moderate-to-high carb intake. Because your, your, um, your body uses glucose and glycogen better than anything for fuel. Better than anything. It's the most efficient way. Your brain, although it can function on ketones when you're in ketosis, it can function. It's optimal, and it functions optimally, your central nervous system, with carbohydrate. You need carbohydrate for the energy demands of your sport. You need carbohydrate for the energy demands of your sport. So a low-carbohydrate diet is not good for athletes. Now... Lifestyle choices, sure. If you just want to lose a little bit of fat while trying to maintain some muscle um, and, you know, performance is not necessarily a huge goal. You don't want to not be able to do things, but you're not training for anything specific, then, then, then a keto diet may be great. But a keto diet would not be good for an athlete. Some athletes it might fare better for than others. Like, a, you know, if you're an Olympic weightlifter... You could probably get away with a keto diet. If you're a marathon runner, I wouldn't do it. Um, if you are a CrossFitter, I wouldn't do it, which is unique or interesting because a lot of CrossFitters will try keto, and I'm not sure why. Uh, my guess is to lean out, um, but the mix of high intensity and endurance that they do and the other function of glucose uh, for athletic performance is recovery. Um, if you cut that out, it's going to affect your recovery immensely. You won't be able to recover as well. I'm not saying you can't recover as well as if you had, you know, higher amounts of carbohydrate in your diet. So starting kind of a general, this is extremely general. If you are looking at doing a, uh, a sports performance-based diet, I would probably be in the uh, uh, in the area of 55 to 60 percent carb, uh, and I might be uh, 20 percent fat, 20 percent uh, protein, or maybe maybe you, you're closer to 50 percent, uh, and you can go 30 percent uh, fat. 30% or 20% protein or vice versa. And, and I say vice versa because it kind of depends on what your goals are, uh, you know, from a protein building or a muscle building standpoint. If you're trying to really add muscle, 
you might want to up your protein intake. You still need some fats in there. You don't want to cut fats too low because fats help with all those metabolic processes, right? They help um, in repair. Uh, it's not just protein that does that. The, the, the fats help make some of these things uh, and these hormones um, possible or, or most effective. So again, everything is important. That's why we need a well-balanced macronutrient, micronutrient breakdown, okay? Which is why, again, I said, if you're gonna have long-term lifestyle changes with your nutrition, doing a, a meal plan that cuts one out, cuts a ma major macronutrient out, or cuts a meal out, or restricts any one thing, it could work for a short time, but not for a long time. And for athletes, again, we're talking, you know, a season here. If you cut out a lot of one macronutrient or another, you're not going to perform optimally. And especially if you cut carbs out for athletes. Um, now, I know a lot of people may be listening to this and are like, oh, I'm, I'm a well, CrossFitter or I'm a, uh, you know, I, I play rec league basketball. I'm all over the place and I've, I've lost weight. I've, I, I look better, I, I feel better, and I'm performing better, and I've been doing keto. So, where are you now, Pete? Okay. It's a great question, so let me, let me jump off on this. I know I'm kind of getting off on tangents here a little bit, but hopefully it's in a logical tangent, tangential offshoot. Um, if I... If, if you were to continue doing exactly what you did, keto-wise, forever or for the foreseeable future, again, you might see some gains. If you were 30 pounds overweight and you've lost the weight, now you're you know looking good. And, or let's, let's say even a more strict example, you were at 16, 17% body fat and you've been doing it, now you're down around 10, 9, 10, 11, uh, really good. Uh, okay, so... Now you're gonna be in this ketosis so that you're gonna keep burning fat as a fuel source. Well, you don't have much fat as a fuel source at that point, right? I mean, do you follow? And so if you don't have enough, now, is there still stuff you can burn? Yes. But how lean is too lean? And are you gonna keep going? There is a point of diminishing returns, right? That's one of our nine principles. So, so the, the thought being, uh, it's, not, it's hard to sustain that forever if you are doing it exactly as prescribed. And that's where the discussions get way, way out of control. So for example, there are some uh, YouTubers, the Buff Dudes, they, they tried keto for six weeks. They liked it, they saw some benefits. They definitely felt they were leaner um, one of them uh, thought they lost a little too much lean tissue as well, but you know the other one kind of liked it at first, but then kind of gave it a thumbs down because it was not too hard to do. It's just it was hard to maintain uh, that low of a carb intake, and it just didn't fit their lifestyle. Okay, so they know that they're not going to be you know. Um, able to stick to it based on their lifestyle. Plus, they make their living being buff. In other words, big muscles, <laughs> right? And so if you have something, if you if they get down super lean, which most of them, or both of them are, are pretty lean guys, and they continue to 
uh, being ketosis, uh, there's less and less fat for them to burn. So the next logical thing is is protein if there's no carb uh, available. So what did they end up doing? They ended up modifying it slightly. They ate either more protein in the form of of animal proteins or or supplements. But the the long and short of it is, short of it is in order for it to feel good and really work for them, they modified it, which is okay, except for the fact that. And I'm not knocking them. I'm saying it's okay if you do that, but you have to realize that then that's at that point it's not truly keto anymore. And you see that all the time. There's people like there's the three day keto diet, or there's the so you're doing keto for these days and that you know, but you're never going to get the true benefits of a truly ketogenic um, diet or being in ketosis um, if you if you you know don't follow it exactly. In other words, if you start modifying it, just like we talk about with with training programs. If you either A, program hop, go from this one to this one to this one, or if you cherry pick your favorite things from different programs, or you take one program and you don't do it exactly as written, you're not going to get the results as promised. So if you try, if you choose to do a keto, then do it and be very strict with it. Okay? Then you might see some results. And if you need to lose a little bit of weight, you know, let's say your body fat's, you know, 20 to 25, and you're a male, and you're trying to, you know, increase your sports performance, then a keto might be useful in the beginning to shed some body fat to get down to around, you know, 12, 13, 14% body fat. Now we're talking, okay? At that point, we're going to reintroduce some carbs because our intensity is going to be high and we want to be able to recover our muscles well and our central nervous system well. So that's an example of where you could use that keto diet or meal plan like that to, to, to achieve a specific effect. And once you've gotten there, then you know, we're going to you know, level out and do something uh, more balanced, right? There's that word again, balanced uh, meal plan. So uh, getting back to Ashley's example, um, for muscle gain, you know, we're looking at protein, right? Uh, mainly protein. Obviously, carbs and fats play a role in protein or in muscle growth as well, right? Um, but we need to work out at the right intensity to, you know, challenge your body to grow. And that's your progressive overload. And, and um, we've talked about hitting that lactate threshold um, to, ch- you know, challenge your body to change. Uh, but what, so what we're, what we need is enough fuel in the tank. So it, it, it becomes calorie um, uh, dependent on calories. So we need a calorie surplus, right? If we're trying to gain muscle. Now, if we're trying to gain muscle and lose fat, that's a slightly different story, right? Uh, we might want to be in a caloric deficit to, to shed some of the body fat, but we don't want to lose muscle. We want to, in fact, gain muscle. And that's where supplementation can come into play. So we might do a you know, a diet that is calorically um, cut, and I'll explain how we do that in a little bit, but we add in some supplements to up the protein intake to help maintain and or build some, some musculature, right? And how much we cut the diet will depend on, again, how much muscle we're trying to gain. And it is possible to do. It is very hard to do all of that at one time, 
very disciplined and you gotta be very consistent, but it is possible. That's why a lot of bodybuilders will bulk than cut, bulk than cut. It's easier to do it that way. Uh, I don't know if it's healthier necessarily, it's just, it's just easier. Now, if, uh, if in this, you know, let's say this, this particular um, example with, with Ashley, she wants to gain a little bit of muscle, lose a little bit of body fat. Now, I happen to know her stats in terms of body composition, and don't worry, Ashley, if you're listening, I will not say anything online uh, on the podcast here. But suffice to say, she's at a very healthy uh, body fat percentage. It's low. Okay, I don't think she'd mind me saying that. And she has a lot of lean tissue already. So I don't know necessarily for her, gaining muscle is necessarily a priority for her. I think she might want to lean out a little bit, um, but she definitely wants to get stronger. And I think that's where the sports performance comes in. So I chose an exercise routine, which is more of a what we call a functional hypertrophy, which she could gain a little bit of size and a little bit of muscle mass, but it's not going to be bulking uh, really big. Uh, but we're doing that style of lifting while we're talking about a caloric restriction to, to cut a little bit more body fat. And again, that's a personal preference for her. Certainly not one she needs for her sport performance because she's already, like I said, pretty low. So that being said, uh, when we talk about protein intake, how much protein do you need? And, and here's what we normally tell people, this, this again, I'm trying to paint the picture of how we would approach this in our gym, knowing that we want to train people athletically because of the type of exercises we're going to have them do. And by athletically, I mean we, we're training them to be more functional human beings, uh, and sometimes that means very specific, specialized sports, and sometimes that means just better, more capable human beings, but we're choosing exercise protocols, rest intervals, work to rest and, you know, ratios that are, you know, consistent with what you might find in an athletic, uh, collegiate athletic setting. You've heard me talk about that before. So in this regard, she, um, you know, we might, uh, again, have a, a slight caloric deficit for her, uh, but maybe a protein supplement might be in, in, uh, in line here. Because what we're looking at is a protein intake of one gram of protein per pound of lean body tissue. Now, I didn't say per body weight, which you hear a lot. Sometimes you hear one kilogram per pound of body weight, and that's probably a little more accurate, right? Um, So, uh, because one... um, you know, one kilogram is 2.2 pounds, uh, right? Uh, so it's a, it's a little less. Um, and the, I guess what I'm what I'm trying to get at here is, uh, hang on, I drink my coffee. If we have um, a a, uh, uh, sorry, it's night. I'm trying to find the cup holder for my coffee. Uh, and driving is the number one part right now. A little off topic. Back on chat. Um, what we're looking at for her would be, or for anybody, is if, if let's say you weighed 300 pounds, and 200 pounds of that was, was lean body tissue, and 100 pounds was 
body fat. If you were to try to take in one gram per pound, uh, one gram of protein per pound of body weight, you'd be taking in 300 grams, which if you did that, and especially if you did that through food, you are going to, that's going to be a lot of calories, a lot of calories, right? Because we know there's 400 uh, grams uh, or 400, pardon me, four calories per gram of protein. So uh, 200 or what we say, 300 grams, you know, we're, we're looking at 1,200 uh, total calories just from protein, right? And that's only one of your macronutrients. So even in a you know, restricted diet, that's still going to be a lot of calories that that person may not need. So um, we're looking at per pound of lean mass. And so we do a body fat check. And you know, so that's why if you're already lean, uh, you know, it's going to be a fairly high amount of protein comparatively. Um, it'll be closer to your actual body weight. And that's because, again, you have a lot of lean tissue. Um, you know, or a low body fat, we should say, low body composition. So the, the thought is I want to have, you know, the adequate protein intake, uh, the right caloric intake. And so we use the Harris-Benedict formula. So we, we, after the food diary, we see about how many calories they're taking in versus where they should be. Now, we just take, it's finding out their basal metabolic rate and multiplying it by an activity factor. An activity factor ranges from sedentary to very active, and there's qualifications for that. I won't go through each one of those, but we, we come up with a calorie intake that would signify maintenance. And then based on how much that person actually weighs, we'll either take 500 or 20% off, uh, you know, if, if, it's, if it's really... Um, extreme one way or the other we'll use a percentage but you know for the most part we can probably reduce total caloric intake by 500 uh, that's not pulling from one macronutrient that's pulling from all macronutrients right we're just eating less uh, and if we need to maintain muscle mass or gain that's where the supplements become important so I'm not anti-supplement but I, I'm, I use supplements sparingly and when needed uh, so we need to dial all the calories and macronutrients in first and then see where we land before we throw out protein or creatine or any other supplement you might want to take. So um, then lastly, you know, we, we want to look at uh, your, your lifestyle. So and I kind of mentioned this already, but let's go back to, say, uh, intermittent fasting, uh, more of a meal structure, as I said. Uh, and let's look at me as an example. My day starts at 4. I wake up at 4. Um, and usually I'm up and I eat fairly early before my first client at 5 comes in. But I've got to get up, make sure the gym is, is turned on. Uh, everything's ready to go, cleaned up. Usually, you know, as of late, we've been really good about getting it all squared away before we leave. But if not, I do that first thing in the morning. Uh, and uh, I've got to take care of the dogs in the morning. You know, there's just a few things that, that I've got to get up early and do. So then my day starts work at 5, and I work straight through until about 8 p.m. every night. And some days I have more clients than others, but... 
say for example, last Monday, I had 14 clients. No, take that back, 13 clients. I had one cancel. I would have had 14 that day out of a 15-hour day. That's awesome. Um, it's long days, but it's fun. I enjoy it. The, the thought is, if I was trying to do intermittent fasting, and let's say a traditional 16-8 split, um, whether I am you know, kind of going early with my eating, like starting my eight hours <clears throat> at 5 a.m., well, I'd be done you know, eating around one or two, right? And then wouldn't eat again. Um, okay, but during my morning clients, I'll be trying to fit in the you know, roughly 3,000 calories I'm trying to eat a day. And so what does that mean? That means I have to eat while I'm trading my clients. That's not ideal. Now, if I have an hour break here and there, yeah, I could fit it in, um, but I don't always have that. And that also means that um, I have to be extremely diligent with meal planning or meal prepping. And if I don't get it done, then what do I do when I don't have the amount of food in there? So the intermittent fasting, it's not that I don't like it or, or don't believe it works, it just doesn't fit my lifestyle. And what happens with uh, someone, a lifestyle like mine, who, in, who does intermittent fasting, intermittent fasting isn't necessarily meant for weight loss. It's mainly meant for optimizing your body's ability to, to absorb the food and pull out the nutrients from the food that you're eating and then have your digestive tract rest and repair itself to do it again the next day. And so your hormone level should be optimized um, functioning well like human growth hormone and things like that. I'm not going to go into how it affects all of those. If you want me to, um, I could do a podcast on that. I'm I'm happy to do that. Or you can ask me some specific questions. Um, Just text me. Again, I'm always open for a text, 864-320-7830. I can answer specific questions there. Uh, But at the same time, you know, that doesn't fit everyone's lifestyle so what they do if they try to fast is basically it ends up they just cut out a meal right so whether that's dinner or breakfast it's usually one of those two generally it's breakfast Um, and what happens to that to them is um, it becomes a at that point just a low calorie diet and so the weight loss that they may experience with with uh, intermittent fasting is because they're restricting their calories. And that's not necessarily what intermittent fasting is trying to get you to do. It's trying to just eat. You're supposed to eat within a certain amount of time on the 16-8 anyways. Now, there's there's other benefits and there's other purported benefits of uh, fasting. Uh, and I'm not disputing any of them. I'm just saying, again, picking a meal pattern, picking a diet plan... Uh, is based on what your goals are and what your needs are. So let me sum this up, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about the social media. Uh, I know I've been talking almost an hour here, well, 45 minutes on on nutrition. But let me sum this up briefly. If you want to be sports performance, and that was the question that Ashley asked, you've got to have a well-balanced, good representation of all three major macronutrients. You need a well-balanced diet that includes all your vitamins and minerals, amino acids, um, 
and and of course you know they're fats carbs proteins and what what we need uh, to understand is carbs are good for athletes for recovery for obviously general use and for you know central nervous system uh, uh, health they optimally function with carbs now again some proponents of keto will tell you that your your brain can function on ketones and it can it certainly can but it's not optimal and we're talking optimal right now and optimal performance uh, is you know for central nervous system is uh, pretty key for sports performance whether it be reaction time or uh, force production and things like that but the other the other uh, aspect is when when you do something like a, a ketogenic diet and you're trying to you know pair that with sports performance uh, there there hasn't been any studies that have shown that the ketones perform better than uh, you know carbs or glucose in terms of uh, uh, meta, meta, uh, metabolism in, ter- in terms of how you use it in your different energy systems right so in other words there there is no real benefit sports wise to doing keto it's it's not like using the ketones is better for you than doing this now one of the thoughts is you can uh, lose a lot you can use body fat and lose body fat yeah and that's a lifestyle choice and like I said if you if your sports performance is limited or hampered because of excessive body weight or body fat then okay we can use it until we're in normal ranges and then go back to a well a better balanced diet so balanced diet there you go there's my short answer I could have just said that and saved you guys the last 50 minutes so Ashley I hope I answered your question um, I can't tell you exactly how many calories right now because you need to do your food diary for me and then I can't I know all your other stats, so I could easily tell you about how many calories you should be eating and how, you know, where you need to be based on how active you are. And I know how active you are because I wrote your program. So, uh, give me that meal plan, and we'll uh, get rocking. Okay. So the other question, and and this one won't take long to answer. Uh, I mentioned earlier you might be surprised at my answer, and, and I don't want this to sound arrogant or cocky. Uh, but there's kind of two different questions. One was, what social media people do I look to for advice? Uh, and that's the one I'll answer first, none. Um, and, and again, I don't want that to sound cocky like I know everything. Oh, I don't, I don't need to look at anything. I know everything. That's certainly not what I mean. Of course I don't. Uh, and, and it's not to say that I don't learn from certain personalities in social media. You know, there are tips and tricks that I have learned from people I've seen on social media or YouTube say say Athlean X is a good example. I've, I've learned stuff from him. He has said things that I didn't know. And, you know, that's a lot of it stemming from his physical therapy background, right? So I have an athletic training background, which is similar, but he does have, you know, um, you know some really good biomechanical knowledge uh, and some really good tips on how to uh, move while protecting injuries uh so positioning your wrist to take pressure off your elbow if you have elbow problems that's probably the biggest tip i've taken from him but in terms of like if i want to know more about the best chest workout or if i want to know 
the best way to build muscle. Um, I'm not. I'm not looking at any one particular person. In fact, I'm not looking on social media for that kind of answers. Why? Well, simply because I I have that, that education myself, right? I went to. I have a master's degree uh, in in exercise physiology and my in, in biomechanics uh, and my PhD which is all but dissertation uh, is you know in, in studying well studied a lot of technology but for the purpose of you know uh, human motion analysis so you know I, I've studied a lot of this stuff I have the resources I have the journals at my disposal I have textbooks I have um, 20 years of experience doing this so a lot of those things I don't necessarily know what I'll do though is I'll look primarily at journals uh, to to uh, back up my ideas in other words I knowing the body knowing nutrition, knowing exercises, when I put something together, if I'm not 100% sure or if I just want to be right and want to prove it because I'm writing a new program, I will go and I'll find some journal articles that support this. And if I happen to know that there is a well-respected social media person out there that has a similar viewpoint, as I've said before, what's really neat is it's nice when highly respected people with millions of followers um, um, that continually put out good information say the same thing that, that I'm saying. Uh, I'm not worried about people saying, oh, well, you stole it from him. Well, okay, you can think that, but you could also know that I'm, I'm the same age as that person and I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, so, yeah, when it comes to social media, I don't really look at social media, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, or, or YouTube, for advice or for my information. I use, I certainly do look at social media and I certainly do look at uh, those things for entertainment and uh, yeah, curiosity. So who do I look at? Let me take one more sip of coffee here and I'll finish up. Well, as I mentioned, I, I do like Athlean X a lot. I respect his stuff quite a bit. Um, I also enjoy looking at, um, and we'll, we'll start with YouTube here. So my YouTube guys, I like him. I like um, uh, for, for you know, people I kind of align with or, or like is James Linker, uh, Shredded Sports Science. I've always enjoyed his uh, take on things. Uh, Steve Shaw, Massive Iron, he's, he always puts out some pretty good stuff. Um, Papa Swolio, I like his more for the entertainment value. Not to say that he doesn't give great information. He certainly does. And I agree with most of the things he says. But those those are some of the, the ones that I probably watch the most. Uh, and I would say mainly for the entertainment value. Um, a lot of what those guys do, along with um, Every Damn Day Fitness. Um, uh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Uh, <laughs> uh, Alan Roberts. Uh, I they, they do a lot of call-outs. And they do a lot of things. And, and I believe their call-outs, you know, although there is a lot of entertainment value in it, they're, they're just trying to make sure that people have the right information. Because it is frustrating. And I've said this before. It is frustrating when you are trying to put out um, information 
and quality information. And what what's happening is you're getting uh, other people who may just look good or or maybe they've had athletic success, but it was because they had a million coaches behind them and their genetics and their work ethic, but not necessarily their sports science knowledge, um, putting out sports science-y stuff that's just incorrect. So, you know, one of the, one of the big examples, uh, you know, Alan Roberts called out a guy, uh, Chris Heria of uh, Phoenix, uh, not Athlean X, but Phoenix, um, and it's basically a calisthenic stuff. And, and Alan, Alan even said, Chris is an amazing athlete. You know, truly amazing athlete. He, what, some of the things he can do uh, with his body weight stuff is incredible. But when it comes to exercise science, that's not his bag. And he's been called out on it because he has such a big following. And he's saying things that are factually incorrect. So a lot of people could potentially get hurt. And that's where... The Papa Swolios or Swole Normus, uh, Alan Roberts, Michelle McDaniel, um, a lot of those people who kind of point out or call out some of these, you know, fitness uh, bullshitters. And there's the pure bullfit guy. He's he's a lot of fun. I I don't know his name. Uh, I've just recently, in the last two or three months, found him. Uh, but he's he's very entertaining as well. But again, I like to watch a lot of those for entertainment. Now, as far as Instagram goes. Uh, you know, I really don't have any one person that I follow uh, on Instagram. I think if you, if I would say one that I continually look at a lot um, in terms of someone that, that is famous or someone that has a big following, because um, I, I do, I do check in on social media mainly for my friends, uh, you know, even friends in the fitness business. Um, but uh, I've mentioned this before. Um, John Schaefer or Johnny Payne uh, over at uh, Grayskull Barbell, strengthvillain.com. I think all those links are still still active. Um, I have them saved on my computer, so I just go right to it. But but Johnny's always putting out quality, quality, quality material. Uh, he's someone I look up to on the business side of things as well. So I've learned a lot from him on the business end. Because he jumped into this whole life coaching thing and, and entrepreneurship before I did. I think I'm older than, than him uh, by a year or two. Uh, but he's he's been doing it, uh, um, that side of things, or the entrepreneurial side of things, uh, much longer than I have. Uh, so he, he's definitely someone I look look at for you know ideas that way. Um, yeah. Who else? Oh, uh I, I still I still like Charles Poliquin a lot. Uh, he has passed away, but uh, they still will. Uh, Strength Sensei, his his Instagram page and website have a lot of good information, and you know their their posts on social media are, are really really good. Uh, I think it's Dr. Eddie Joe Eddie. I forget. I, see, I'm not prepared for this. I should have looked, but I'm in the car, so. He has a lot of uh, really good graphs that just summarize some some hot topics, and and generally speaking, his stuff uh, uh, I really like, and they're they're interesting to look at. But again, going back to, am I learning things from them? Yeah, every once in a while, I'll pick up something that I didn't know, or pick up something that sounds good. But when I'm developing my own programs and ideas, I, I certainly don't go looking for uh, tips and tricks there because, again, I've dedicated my life to this. 
Um, and uh, I know I, I, I really trust peer review articles. And uh, that's where I go. So, that being said, I'm signing off. It's been a great mobile episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>